This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One In Captain Boomsby's Saloon I don't think it's quite the thing, Alec, said my cousin, Owen Garningham, as we were walking through Bay Street after our return to Jacksonville from the interior of Florida. What is not quite the thing, Owen? I inquired, for he had given me no clue to what he was thinking about. After I chartered your steamer for a year to come here and go up the Mississippi River, by the way, this river is called the Father of Waters, isn't it? asked Owen, flying off from the subject in his mind, as he was in a habit of doing. Every schoolboy in this country learns that from his geography, I replied. Happily, I was never a schoolboy in this country, and I didn't find it out from the geography. If the Mississippi is the father of waters, can you tell me who is the mother of them? The Missouri. Oh, ah. Don't you feel faint, Captain Alec? added Owen, stopping short on the sidewalk and gazing into my face with a look of mock anxiety. Not at all. I think I could swallow a burly Briton or two, if the occasion required. Don't do it. It would ruin your digestion. But it strikes me those two rivers are but one. I think so, too, and they ought to be. Father and mother, man and wife, ought to be one, I answered as indifferently as I could. But something was not quite the thing, and if there is anything in this country that is not quite the thing, I want to know what it is. When I chartered the Sylvania to come down here, and then go up the Father of Waters, it isn't quite the thing for your father to declare the whole thing off at this point of the cruise, replied Owen. I was going to have a jolly good time going up the river. You may have it yet for I have given you a cordial invitation to go up the river with me, and I mean every word I said about the matter, I added in soothing tones. But your father says the charter arrangement is ended, and you may go where you like in your steamer. And I concluded at once to carry out all the arrangements for this trip, just as we made them at Detroit. I, I have invited the shepherds, and the Tiffany's to join us, and everything will go on just as it did before, except that you will not pay the bills, which means that if I join you at all, I shall not be myself, returned Owen with a look of disgust. In other words, I shall not be my own master, and I must go where my uncle and you may choose to take me. Not at all. We are going up the Mississippi simply because that is the route you selected, and because I desire to carry out your plan of travel to the letter, I replied rather warmly. I don't think I could do anything more to meet your views than I have done. You are as noble, grand, magnanimous as it is possible for any fellow to be, Alec, but that don't make me any more willing to be under obligations to you every day of my life. You need feel under no obligations to me. 
ah but i do you see and i still think it was not just the thing to break away from the written agreement we made continued owen unable to conceal his vexation i think you owe not to say another word in that line of remark owen a contract to do anything fraudulent is void from the beginning do you remember for what purpose you chartered the sylvania if you won't say another word about it alec i won't exclaimed my cousin extending his hand to me which i immediately grasped i won't unless you drive me to it i replied i have not reminded you of what occurred while we were coming south and i never will for i think carrington was the villain of the drama and not you you are right alec and you are the best fellow that ever lived protested owen but i would like to pay my share of the expenses for the cruise from this day as i have done before i shall be better if i do it i will speak to my father about that and i am sure i don't object to your paying your share i answered i am willing to carry out the agreement just as we made it but my father takes a different view of the subject i know he does and i can't blame him replied owen he means simply to say that his son shall be under no obligations to me after what has happened let us say nothing more about this matter owen i added it is not a pleasant topic to me any more than it was to him when do we sail if i sail with you alec he asked to-morrow morning and we should be on board to-night ready for an early start for we have to confirm to the tide and the bar at the mouth of the river the tiffany's will go with us but the shepherds have not yet accepted the invitation i gave them i am going to colonel shepherd's house now and i will find out whether they are going or not said owens as we came to a street leading to st james square where colonel shepherd's house was located and i will drop into captain boomsby's saloon i added the beast boomsby why do you go there alec demanded owen with a look of disgust and astonishment in his face i lived with him for years and i will say good-bye to him for i may never see him again i hope i never shall at any rate he has abused and wronged me but i am willing to forgive him if he will only keep out of my way upon my word i believe you would forgive a man if he blew your brains out alec if it were a matter of brains i couldn't do it but if i had heart enough left i would try to forgive him if he was sorry for what he has done you forgave me and it's easy enough for you to do the same with beast boomsby added owen as he turned up the street to his desk i had been made the victim of a plot and taught to believe that my father sir bent garningham was dead the little steamer sylvania was my own property for i had earned it by saving the lives of her original owner and his family pike carrington my father's solicitor in england had induced the son of my father's younger brother to make an attempt to get me out of the way the villain had acted more for his own interests than for that of my cousin they had called in my old enemy captain parker boomsby and sent him to florida in one steamer while owen went with me in the sylvania 
My friend Robert Washburn, the mate of the steam yacht, had discovered the plot, and we had been on our guard night and day to meet any treachery. Captain Boomsby claimed me and all that I had when he learned that my father was dead. He had done his best to obtain the steam yacht, but his unfortunate habit of drinking too much whiskey had defeated his plan. In his attempt to destroy me, he had taken the life of the solicitor. On our voyage going south, we had encountered a heavy gale in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. Owen Garningham, my cousin, had been swept from the hurricane deck of the Sylvania by the raging sea. At the risk of my own, I had saved his life. This act had conquered him, and he no longer took any interest in the plan to destroy me, if he had ever thought of anything so bad as this. He became my strong friend, and had no further desire to rob me of my father's estate, or to obtain the title for which he cared more than I did. The Shepherds were a family we first met at a regatta in Portland Harbor. Owen had become deeply interested in Miss Edith, the daughter, and at his invitation, the family had come most of the way to Florida in the steamer. We had been up the Oklawaha River to Lake Griffin, and up the St. John's as far as any steamer could go. My father, who had left me at college in Montomercy, to attend to his affairs in England, had been called to India on business. His absence was the opportunity for the conspirators, and they destroyed our letters. When I learned that my father was not dead, I had written to him. He had followed me up St. John's, and appeared in time to save me from the bullet of one of Captain Boomsby's agents. He learned the whole truth from me, and at once canceled the charter by which my cousin Owen was to have the use of the steamer for a year, one half of which had now expired. The Tiffany's were father and daughter, whom the crew of the Sylvania had saved from a fire at St. Augustine. The gentleman was an intimate friend of my father, who requested him to see me when he visited this country. His daughter, Margie, if not as pretty as Edith Shepherd, interested me more. As arranged before we left Detroit, we were to go up the Mississippi River. The Tiffany's had accepted the invitation to join us, for they were tourists for pleasure and observation. My father was an English baronet, succeeded to the title and estates by the death of an elder brother. He had served in the army for many years and had attained the rank of major. He was better pleased to be called by his military than by his family title in this republican land, but he was too proud to allow me to continue in the employ of my cousin, though he did not object to his nephew as a passenger when I desired it. He left everything to me to manage as I pleased after he had canceled the charter agreement. With this abstract of previous events, my readers will be prepared to understand what is to follow. Captain Boomsby's saloon was on Bay Street. He had a bar for the white and respectable customers on that street, and another in the rear for Negroes. I was never even tempted to drink any intoxicating beverages, 
and when he became a rum-seller. I thought my tyrant had found his proper level. His son Nick tended the front bar while he waited upon the negroes, who imbibed the cheapest corn whiskey and apple brandy by the tumblerful at a dram. When I went into the saloon, Captain Boomsby was seated in the rear of the room, where he had a view of both bars. He was at least half full himself. He was badly bloated, and his face was red and almost honeycombed with toddy blossoms. "'Well, Sandy, what do you want now?' demanded the saloon-keeper, when I came to his presence. He did not call me Alec, as others did, but still used the name by which I had been known when he took me from the poorhouse in the state of Maine. "'Nothing, Captain Boomsby. Only we sail to-morrow, and I thought I would say good-bye to you, for I may never see you again,' I replied." I never want to see you no more, he growled. You've always behaved bad ever since I fust know you, and you will come to some bad end yet. I hope not, I said, seating myself. You sartin will. I took care of you when you was little and done everything I could for you, but you have worked agin me from the fust. As I seated myself, I saw a customer come up from the front bar. He had a package, which he laid upon the counter while he poured out his dram. I don't think it's any use for you and me to talk over these things, I added, turning my eyes from the counter to the bloated face of my former tyrant. We shall not be likely to agree in regard to matters in the past. You know just as well as I do that the steam yacht you sail in rightfully belongs to me, he added. I think not. If she belongs to anybody besides myself, it must be to my father. That man ain't your father any more than I am. At that moment, a rather rough-looking man came into the saloon, walked far enough back to look into the negro bar and then retreated i think it has been fully proved that major garningham is my father i replied i had scarcely spoken the words as the rough-looking visitor was retreating without any dram when nick made a flying leap over the counter and rushed out at the street door the gentleman with the package had his eyes upturned to the ceiling in the act of draining the tumbler in which he had elaborately stirred up the fiery mixture. When Nick went over the counter, the customer was startled. He saw at the same moment I discovered the fact that the package he had laid upon the counter was missing. He rushed out of the saloon like a crazy man. End of chapter